the Blue Jays are gliding into a fun stretch of the season. We've got pregame ejections, all-star voting, some early trade deadline possibilities, and so much more to break down for you guys. I'm Ethan Diamandis. My co-host is Mitch Bannon, and this is the latest episode of the Inside the Blue Jays podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Turns out the uh, the missing link to Blue Jays' success lately and, and energy and motivation to win uh, is as simple as having your hitting coach walk up to a group of umpires, point in their faces, argue, get ejected, and then your team will, you know, hit a grand slam. Is, is it that simple, Mitch? Yeah, I think that's the new market inefficiency is getting your hitting coach tossed 10 minutes before first pitch every single game. I don't know if Guillermo Martinez makes enough to kind of survive a daily ejection fine, which I'm sure he gets, but I think it was worth it for that one. I don't know about you, but I've never seen Guillermo go out for kind of the pregame lineup card swap. So I think this was definitely pre-planned, or at least he planned on saying something, whatever was said. We still have not found out what, but I do think Guillermo was certainly content with getting tossed before that game because he kind of went up there with something to say. And if anything, it sparked the guys. They put up a bunch of runs and it worked. And I I think they got a bit better of a strike zone than they did the night before, but that was a pretty low bar from what I have seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if there'll be too many ejections going forward, but I do think we saw the Jays have the most ejections in baseball right now. And I don't know if this is a prop bet you can bet on, but it should be who, what team will lead the most objections. And maybe we'll have to ask our, our sponsor and our friends at bet online to put that one up. Uh, they are sponsoring this podcast once again, and our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and potentially ejection odds coming up. Uh, find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's NHL finals, major league baseball odds, and the latest fighting news even early season futures for next year's NFL season. All you have to do is head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just have to use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get in on the action. Yeah, it's 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 kind of funny that Toronto is leading the league in ejections. I mean, the Jimmy, Go- you and I the other day were trying to figure out who the player was. Um, and we're like, oh, it, it was Jimmy from that uh, phantom ejection on slippery baseball evening in uh, in the Bronx earlier this season. Um, yeah, Guillermo, I mean, we see Guillermo around quite a bit. I mean, he's an intimidating guy, I would say. And you, you see Pete Walker always getting into it with the umpires when, you know, his pitchers aren't getting a call. But we rarely see Guillermo yelling from the dugout, you know, when Santiago Espinal is rung up on his, like, Seems like, you know, fifth or sixth, you know, ball that's inches off the plate for strike three. So he he backed up his hitters. Uh, they came out fired up. You know, that game kind of got away from Toronto, uh, just a touch. Um, we're talking about Wednesday's game. Um, but uh, they held on. Everything, everything worked. There was a bit of frustration, but maybe they have uh, exercised that from their system. Mm-hmm. I think it's, that's a good way to put it. Like we always kind of see Pete 
very verbally sticking up for his pitchers, whether or not he, he's cracked on yelling at the umps for the strike zone on any given day. We rarely see Guillermo do that from the dugout. And so I think this was kind of where he drew the line. He's like, hey, I'm not usually this guy, but last night's strike zone was brutal for my hitters. So I'm I'm going to take a page out of Pete's book and kind of stand up for my boys now. Uh, I do wonder if kind of uh, if that does anything for a player, uh, we may never know. But I, I do think ejections fire guys up and it worked on Wednesday. I I wonder if we, we talked about if he's going to do it every game, but I don't know for a lot of these hitters, I don't know if he will have to kind of do something like that. A lot of the Blue Jays hitters are hitting very well right now. And that success is being recognized in early all-star voting. I don't know if you happen to see kind of they released, uh, what was it? The first round, phase one, the first update of all-star voting and three Blue Jays led their positions. George Springer would have also qualified as a, as a top outfielder. I think he was third in the outfield. Uh, what do you think about these early all-star voting returns? Yeah, I think it's about kind of what you expect. I mean, Toronto had, did they have four starters last year in the all-star game? Yeah, Semyon, Hernandez, Guerrero, yeah. and Bichette. Mm-hmm. So given their turnout last year, and I think how passionate this fan base is about um, just this current Blue Jays roster, their competitive window, uh, I don't think it's really much of a surprise to see that, you know, Alejandro Kirk, uh, Vlad, Bo, Springer, those guys are all kind of leading their positions or well, with Springer, the third best outfielder. Um, I think the biggest standout, though, is how by how much Alejandro Kirk is leading the uh, the catcher voting. It was it like 700,000 votes, I believe. I, I think there. Kirk is. Yeah, he was up but around just a, over 650,000 votes. He's ahead yeah. of Jose Trevino. I mean, not the American League catching has not by any standards been, you know, exceptional uh, in terms of like production at the plate. So I think that makes the the voting for Kirk easier. You know, he's kind of a fan favorite. He's kind of an unlikely guy. Um, And he's leading in like wins above replacement, all of baseball for catchers, uh, weighted runs created plus. Um, I think he's second in all of baseball for qualified hitters in defensive war, um, which is which is significant. Um, Trevino's up there too. I know that. Um, so I, you know, I, I think it's, it's super exciting, super fun that Kirk will probably be starting the all-star game. And, um, I think it's a nice story for, for, you know, fans of the game that don't know who Kirk is, you know, he's a kind of just this, this stocky kid that was scouted from Tijuana. No, no one really expected him to be the type of player he is. He shot, you know, right up through the minor league system and has really done nothing but succeed in the major leagues when he's been able to be healthy. So um, I think everyone's happy for him and for what he's achieved so far. And uh, he spoke to reporters um, in Chicago and he, he talked about kind of his family being the first call. So you, you can tell it means a lot for him because he's only just 23 years old. Yeah, exactly. I think Kirk is such just like a rootable guy. Like he's, I think Bo said it best. He's just very relatable, the most relatable player in the league. And he doesn't talk to the media that much. So it's not from quotes. It's just, you look at him play and you look at the fun he's having and just everything about Kirk is the most obvious type of guy who would dominate a fan vote like this. Like obviously he's got Mm -hmm. the blue Jay vote, but then just a, he's just statistically been the best catcher in baseball. So people who actually care about voting the best players in the all-star game are going to vote for him. And then B just the story as you kind of outlined there is 
so fun and everyone loves Kirk. So he's going to get kind of everyone else's votes. And we see that play out just a dominant first ballot for him. I think he'll have no problem beating Trevino in that kind of head-to-head phase two and becoming the starting catcher. I think the bigger question at this point is if he's catching his battery mate, Alec Manoa, uh, in that first kind of mm-hmm. pitch of the all-star game. But another thing I kind of touched on there is the Blue Jay vote. It seems like there is very much kind of a Blue Jays voting block right now. Uh, we can talk on some specific guys who may or may not be kind of worthy of where they're standing in this vote right now. But there is, I saw some probably specifically Yankees fans online mad about this Blue Jays voting block and how powerful they've clearly been in getting their guys to the top of the poll. Uh, What do you think about this kind of polarizing Canadian vote and if they have an advantage in a poll like this? Well, there's been quite a uh, bit of sentiment this way, not just with all-star voting, but with, you know, the border restrictions, which <clears throat> I must remind folks are the same going into the U.S. Uh, in terms of vaccines and how Toronto gets an unfair advantage. And so yet again, Toronto is being pegged as, um, you know, having a whole country behind them to make these votes uh, to push Toronto's uh, players undeservedly, apparently, into the All-Star game. Now, I would just say that's that's uh not not a very fair assessment. Um, I think it's, you know, perhaps Toronto just has the most passionate fan base. You know, I, I think there's probably more Yankees fans out there than there are Blue Jays fans. So I don't think the whole country argument is uh, is all that reasonable. Um, I also think Toronto, Toronto's social team does a really good job of just pushing like the votes, like encouraging people to vote, getting a strong following and um, you know, making it fun. I think that that's super important. And, you know, sometimes it, it, it's true. I think, I think it's like objectively true that, you know, there are a couple snubs from the all-star game every year. I think of like Robbie Ray last season, right? He's not an all-star. He ends up winning the Cy Young. So statistically, I think there's some misreads in terms of all-star voting, but oftentimes it's just the most exciting players, the most fun players that make it into the all-star game. And I mean, it'd be hard to argue that Toronto doesn't have a roster full of the most fun players. Yeah, exactly. I think what this speaks to is the marketability of these guys. Like Bo and Vlad are very much kind of the face of the American League alongside Trout and Judge. And those are kind of four of the top six or seven vote getters right now. So it is fun to probably be around a team that has so many marketable stars and that the rest of the baseball world also respects and also likes to watch. I don't think we necessarily appreciate that. Like Bo and Vlad are, are fun guys to watch every single day. Like we do, but it, that's not normal. It's not normal to have a team with these like 23, 24 year old superstars. And then just, just keep adding young guys like that. Maybe in three years, it'll be what I think Danny Jansen's in fourth in DH voting right now. Maybe next year it'll be, Kirk, who's leading the DH voting, and Moreno's leading the catching voting. Like they're they're just going to keep getting these young, marketable superstars, and, and it's super fun. I think it's playing out. But if you were to look, kind of going the other oh, direction, hold on. Let me oh, let yeah, me so you, let me stop you for a sec. How is Danny Jansen getting designated editor votes? Isn't yeah, that kind of ridiculous? Has he not? That's he kind of where I was going. Yeah, a single. So, yeah, sorry, a, a single game at designated hitter. Zero. He has not played at designated hit yet this year. And the best part is, it's not like oh, like you can vote anybody to be DH. The other four people at the top of the DH voting are all actual DHs. It's Jordan Alvarez, Shohei Otani, JD Martinez, and Miguel Cabrera. Like Danny Jansen has more votes than Miguel Cabrera right now, which is. 
like obviously Mickey isn't having an amazing season, but you'd think he would get kind of the sentiment vote and be above a guy like Danny Jansen. I mean, and also like there's no way Jansen is qualified to play in an all-star game. I mean, has he played, has he played even like 30 games this year? I don't know. I would guess I would take the under on 30. No questions asked. I, I think I might even take the under on 20. Yeah, he's played 19 games this year. <laughs> there you go. That's so, an all-star. Okay, so maybe Yankees fans have a point if they use Danny Jansen as the example. I mean, that is, is kind of ridiculous. It doesn't make much sense. I mean, if Jansen was healthy the whole season, could he be playing an all-star game? I would say yes. He's on. He was on pace for quite a good season. Um, but he's obviously not a DH. So, I, you know, we'll, we'll just uh, we'll look the other way on this one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Another like, and he still is quite far off. He's still like 500,000 votes behind Jordan Alvarez. So he's not like he's fourth place, but he's not pushing first. A guy who is pushing first, Santiago Espinal is, is about 200,000 votes behind Jose Altuve. He's above Andres Jimenez of the Guardians for that second second base spot. I know he had a great start to the season, but I feel like Espinal's kind of fallen off a little bit. You have spoken to, I feel like him more than anyone else has had a brutal strike zone recently, and they're just getting that highway strike that he can't really hit, so he's not going to swing at. Um, but do you think Santiago Espinal and kind of Bo Bichette, do you think they're going to be deserving of the spots if they get them? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Espinal, I think, probably gets more love in Toronto than anywhere else. Um, you know, seeing his development and, and how he kind of joined the team in 2020 is just this, this bench guy who played good defense and then kind of kept, you know, raising the bar for what, you know, was expected of him. And, you know, the series hitting for a little bit more power um, very early in the season, you know, he was atop the, the league or the American league in, in doubles, you know, he was, he was getting that gap power. He, he looked a lot better. Um, I'm not too sure. I guess I'd have to look at who the other second basemen are. I mean, who's leading, uh, is that Altuve would be the number yeah. one? Altuve is one. Yeah. Jimenez is just behind Espinal. And then it's Torres and Trevor Story. Hmm. I mean, given that company, I mean, it's not unreasonable to expect Espinal to be there. Um, I don't know what Jimenez's numbers are, but um, I imagine Espinal is having a better season than Trevor Story, like all averages, you know, aligned. Except for that 12 games where Trevor Story hit 15 home runs or whatever it was. I think Jimenez is like having kind of the Espinal season that Espinal was having for the first six weeks. He's kind of done that the entire year. Like really good second base defense, kind of sneaky power, really good on base skills and, and a high batting average. I think just purely off merit, Jimenez should probably be in that second spot. But I do like Santiago Espinal is not out of place with these top five and Bo Bichette's certainly not out of place with the shortstops he's around. I, I think he, Xander Bogarts is really good. Tim Anderson's really good, but he's been hurt. Like, I, I think it's the, these guys are deserving, maybe not quite as deserving as their positions say, but these are all guys who can be all-stars at some point in their career. And when they're playing well, they can be all-stars. And, and that's why the Blue Jays have such high aspirations this year, I think. Yeah. I mean, on, on Bo's case, I mean, he's, he's technically having, like a, a career worst season technically right i mean his ops is in like seven seven 730s i think um you know that's that's a career worst season for boba shat and we saw him get off to kind of a really tough start so it's nice to see that he's kind of picked it up um since you know a rough uh, month of april um but you know is he should he be starting the all-star game for the american league i mean he, I, I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, he's not far off, like you said, but I mean, there are 
a bunch of players that have a higher F war than him in the American league, a bunch of shortstops. I mean, Jeremy Pena um, from Houston, Corey Seager, who's not really having a great mm. offensive season. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr., J.P. Crawford, Sander Bogarts, all those guys are technically worth more in terms of wins above replacement. Um, but Bo does have the most RBIs among shortstops. I mean, I think that's notable. We know he's a, a swing-happy run producer, so I think that's significant. Um, and I think, you know, um, metrics haven't always been so kind to Bo's defense, so that could definitely impact his, uh, his overall war. But, you know, shortstop's a competitive position every year for all-star votes. Um, and Bo, you know, for him to have a, a down season by his standards and still be right in the thick of it, I think speaks to, you know, the type of player he is and the, and the type of role he plays in Toronto. Yeah, for sure. I think it's crazy. You mentioned career worst season and that's true. And he's on pace for 91 RBIs. So it's like, obviously there's a lot more that goes into a good baseball player than RBIs. And we keep learning that more and more every year. But this dude can hit, and he's so good at just putting the ball in play and spreading the field. Um, one thing we haven't seen in the all-star voting uh, is pitchers. Those mm-hmm. are just chosen by the managers, but we don't necessarily then get to see where the Blue Jays might not rank as well. And uh, I think Jordan Romano could definitely be an all-star this year. Alec Manoa almost certainly will be an all-star. But if we're looking at kind of the areas of need on this roster, and we're about 40 days away from the trade deadline, Areas of need are going to become a big talking point over the next month and a bit. How does this team get better? Because they're in a position to be in the playoffs right now. They're objectively not as good as the Yankees right now, and they're not as good as probably the Astros, I would say, who are two really good teams. When you look at areas of need moving forward for this team and, and where they might make a trade, what is kind of your top priority right now? I, I broke it down into like three levels of need. And I was hoping I could throw this back at you and you could help rank it is I think the three areas that Toronto needs help the most in are they need a leverage reliever. They need an additional starting pitcher, a back end starter, fourth, fifth option guy, maybe sixth option. We'll see what that is. And a left-handed hitter. So Mitch leverage reliever, extra starter, Left-handed hitter, how are you ranking those one to three in terms of needs? I would probably go leverage reliever number one and then a gigantic chasm and then the other two tied for kind of two, three. I, I could take or leave on the other two. I think the they definitely need a depth starter and they definitely need a little lineup vers- versatility. I, I would probably put the starter at two if you got into my head, made me rank those other two and then the, the bat at three. But I think there's such a clear need for another power arm in this bullpen to complement Jimmy Garcia, to complement Jordan Romano. And to when Tim Mesa kind of gets back into a real good swing of things, he can be in that mix at the end of the bullpen too. But this is a bullpen that's been very overworked in the last kind of month and a bit. And in the month of June, I was looking today, they have the fourth most highest usage, fourth most innings pitch, and the fifth worst bullpen ERA in the league. And that's not a good mix. You're getting a lot of innings from a bullpen that's not pitching that well right now. And that's not to say they don't have the guys. I think they're just kind of missing one or two more guys. And I like the bullpen mix they have. They have a lot of different looks who we know can be effective. They just lack kind of that second closer or a guy to turn Jimmy Garcia and Tim Mays in a seventh inning guys where they'll really flourish. Yeah. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you. I've been banging the table for, you know, more swing and miss, 
you know, everyone on the Blue Jays side, relievers and bullpen coaches said, you know, it'll come and, and, you know, you don't need swing and miss to get guys out. And then as the season progressed and, you know, Toronto's facing teams like the Yankees, you know, in Toronto, and we see Trent Thornton come out as the first guy out of the pen and he hits a guy and gives up two home runs. And, you know, the game's kind of sunk at that point. Um, not to say Trent isn't a useful bullpen piece. It's just, he, you don't want that guy near the top of your bullpen pecking order. And he's, He's not that in Toronto, but he's a little bit higher than I think most people would be comfortable with. And I, I, I get the sense that they also need, yeah, just someone who's kind of not crazy, but like they need a little bit more fire, you know, a little bit more like when Simber gets fired up, I think that, you know, he's, he's hardly your definition of a power strikeout guy. But he's got that passion on the mound. And, and you see it when he comes off the mound after a big inning and he's fired up. The team is fired up. I, I think you need that type of energy, that type of motor out of your bullpen. Now, you don't need like, who was it on San Francisco? Uh, Camilo Duvall drop kick or th- slamming his glove after, you know, he got an out on a fly ball. That you don't need quite that. But, you know, y- you need somebody, somebody with some type of intimidating presence, someone, you know, who can throw the ball hard, can, can run a sinker, you know, in the, in the upper nineties and, and has a strong slider. I mean, Toronto has Romano and he's a power arm. I would say though, his velocity has kind of been a little bit up and down. I mean, as a sidetrack, what did you see from Romano in that, you know, that blown save recently against Chicago and were you, were you concerned about, kind of some of these odd outings he's he's been having with velocity i think and we've seen this before a couple times in that new york outing and then a couple times last year even when he was lights out otherwise you can tell very quickly when jordan romano does or does not have it uh i think it's it's just one set of every 10 or so outings he just comes out and the velo is a few miles per hour down He's really leaning on the slider and he just can't really control the fastball. And it's a recipe for disaster. Sometimes he does still manage to get out of it. And that just speaks to his kind of raw stuff, I think. But yeah, I think that Chicago outing was exactly one of those where he comes out so quickly and or he comes out and so quickly we can tell he just does not have it. And I think that's interesting. It's not really anything you could combat. And I think all really good relievers have that. No one's going to put up a Zach Britton season where he's got a 1.0 ERA, doesn't blow a single save, and he's just dominant the entire year. That's so rare. So I think you kind of take the bad outings every 10 or so, whatever they are. But I do think if we can tell it on TV, the Blue Jays can tell it. And I I don't know if it's going to mess with Romano's head if you do this, but when you can one batter or two batters in, it looks like Romano just does not have it that day and the velo's down and he's leaning on the slider. I think that's when you get someone up behind him and that's kind of the only way you can combat it right now yeah i i you know i agree with you and we saw kind of i this is a a, like a a not similar in terms of player type comparison but you remember a few games last season where tyler chatwood would be pitching you know this the eighth or the ninth and he he had a stretch at the start of the season where he was really good and then there was one game god and probably in dunedin where you know, Charlie had seen enough of these like multiple walk outings and Chatwood had like walked the first two guys. And like, that was it. No more, no more saves anymore. And Charlie came out and Chatwood was all pissed off. And so I understand why there's maybe some, you know, hesitation to, to yank Romano, but 
yeah, in that outing, I believe it was Tuesday, you know, his first pitch was just like a spinning slider that stayed arm side and like didn't break and it was high. And you're like, okay, well, that's not good. That doesn't, you know, scream command and, and, you know, um, conviction. Uh, that was definitely concerning, but the thing is with Romano, you know, if he doesn't have it through the first two guys, you know, maybe he gives up a single and he walks a guy. I mean, I mean, who else are you going to, if you use Jimmy Garcia in the eighth inning, you know, you could go to Tim Mesa, but again, he's not even that powerful of an arm. You know, he's going to throw the ball at 94 miles an hour, maybe his sinker and his slider. He's kind of more deception than, than power and more, you know, location, I would say than anything else. I mean, Toronto just doesn't have that, you know, that badass reliever. They don't have, <laughs> they don't have a guy. They don't have a guy. They have Romano and, you know, they have like Simber, but again, he's not a power pitcher and Toronto probably counted on Trevor Richards to be a little bit more than he's been this season. And he has not been good this season, but yeah, I, I, my list to get back to all of it is the same as yours. I would maybe have a little bit more urgency for a fifth starter. Like it's definitely leverage reliever first then fifth starter. And then if you really want to go all out, then you, you probably grab a bat, um, a left-handed hitter, ideally. But I just, uh, with, with the starting pitching, I just think it's inevitable mm-hmm. that one of Toronto's five starters will get injured. I mean, they've already lost Hunjin Ryu for the season. Um, I just think, you know, like, I feel like Kikuchi's going to have an injury at some point. Um, I believe Gosman went on the injured list for a little bit last year, too. Am I, am I right on that with San Francisco? I know he pitched the most innings he ever has. I don't know if he then still missed a little bit. Mm-hmm. But to, to that point, I think the reason I kind of had fifth starter ranked a little lower than you is because I might even toss out, like, not a fifth starter, like a third starter into the mm. mix. I would be, like, obviously it's going to cost more, and that's why you go and get a depth guy instead of paying for another Jose Barrios. But I would be much more comfortable if I was the Blue Jays if instead of backfilling the depth that Ross Stripling provided you, you bump him back into that sixth starter role. As good as he's been, he's been amazing as a starter, and this is no knock on Ross Stripling. But like you said, there's going to be another injury. They're going to need more Ross Stripling starts. And do you want Kevin Gosman to miss three weeks and then Ross Stripling and Yusei Kikuchi are suddenly your third and fourth starters? Or do you want to go out and get like a Noah Syndergaard or a Paul Blackburn or someone who can be like a stable third starter, bump Kikuchi and Stripling down in the rotation mix, and then you can Mm -hmm. survive an injury to a top guy while also still having the insulation of a six starter like Stripling. Yeah, I think that's, that's ideal, right? I mean, I was, you mentioned um, Syndergaard and I mean, I'm sure Blue Jays fans will love the idea of Frankie Montes. who was the other guy you mentioned there? Paul Blackburn. I think Paul I'm a Blackburn. little higher on him than most, but he's got like a yeah. I2 ZRA this year. No, great. no. Yeah, he's been great. I, I was thinking more. I, I jotted a couple guys down. For me, that was Martin Perez from Texas. Mm. I mean, he's he, he'll probably never be more expensive in, in his entire life. You're buying uh, really high on Martin Perez. Yeah, exactly. So maybe he's not the best option. Uh, I thought of Chad Cool from Colorado. He's kind mm. of a lefty that, has been all right. I mean, the peripherals aren't good. He's not like a big strikeout guy. I think he's like your standard fifth starter or sixth starter type guy. But yeah, the idea of adding somebody who can 
slide in above Kikuchi and Stripling, I think that's that's ideal. I mean, if let's say you're the Jays front office and you have, you know, a chance to get somebody in that tier, like Syndergaard, like Blackburn, or a leverage reliever, I mean, which way are you leaning? Yeah, one that's or a, the other. That's a good point. It does really come like you can't go get Scott Barlow and get Andrew Benatendi and get the third starter. Like that's just not realistic. You're trading your entire farm system to do that. So I do think the priority, like we clearly both agree on, is that leverage reliever. And if that mm-hmm. comes at the cost of not getting a Paul Blackburn or a Frankie Montes and instead getting a Chad Cool, who I think is kind of the perfect stripling 2.0, like the swingman who can pitch out of the pen, probably get a few ticks up on his velo, but then also step in if needed. I think that's probably the cost of doing business. I think it, it does make sense to prioritize the reliever over kind of the other two. But I also think the Blue Jays are all in. Like, if it's possible to get it all done, they should. Uh, and I think they've shown the aggressiveness to maybe do that. Like, they, we didn't, Barrios wasn't really on our radar come deadline day last year. He was earlier in the year. But if they go out and make a big move like that, that would probably be the Montes move. That would be the equivalent of something like that. Then maybe, maybe you go out and get this year's Brad Hand, who pitches way better in the back half, and you also get Montes, and you also get a bat. That would really make a statement. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I could see like, well, Kansas City's kind of stingy to move guys. Like, I don't even, I'm not even sure they're going to trade Benatendi this year. But hmm. you know, like a package of Benatendi, Barlow, that'd be good. Or like, yeah, I feel like a package of a reliever position player would work. And then, or you know, you go big fish starting pitcher. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Brad Hand. I mean, I'm shuddering just thinking about it. But um, you know the. <laughs> He's been good this year. We were joking about that. Um, but there is, you know, that that flyer type guy we talked about kind of, you know, they get a legit reliever and then they get the equivalent of, you know, last year's Joaquin Soria, which is like an aging guy who has a track record, you know, maybe a, a four and a half ERA or a four ERA. And you're like, ah, oh, you know, we could use this guy if we need to, right? He becomes the new Trent Thornton or something like that. Um, no doubt there's a lot of options and a lot of needs for Toronto. And I think, you know, as the weeks go by and when we record a few more podcasts, we'll dive a little bit deeper into the specific options, you know, trade targets, names that Toronto could really pursue. I think that'll be fun for us. That'll be fun for our listeners. Um, you know, but for now, there's still some time in between. Um, the Jays are headed to Milwaukee uh, for the weekend. We'll see a, a Rowdy Telez reunion. Woohoo! Big time. Um, no Trevor Richards reunion. He's got a next reign. Right. Yeah. He, I don't know if he'll be traveling, but he could go back to the the brewery that he worked at in uh, in Milwaukee. Is but, that how you, yes. Is that how you rehab a next reign? You just go get wasted at a brewery? Wasted. I don't feel my neck anymore. <laughs> um, Trevor Richards does not strike me as a guy who drinks a lot of alcohol. Eh, I don't know. I could Relievers, see, I could man. see him you pounding could... back a few Miller lights. <laughs> The official beer sponsor of MLB. Yeah. Oh, is um, it? Okay. So I've been told. So I've been told. Yeah. Well, this has been fun, but next week we will dive. Well, not necessarily next week. Mitch and I are kind of pretty fluid with our discussion topics. So I, I won't promise you guys anything, but as the, as the weeks go on, we will um, discuss some more uh, deadline targets for Toronto. Um, but for now, enjoy the, uh, the weekend series against Milwaukee. Hopefully Toronto can uh, can pick it up and make everyone happy. And we will see you guys all next week. Thanks for listening.